Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to the Awesomeo.com Early Bird Podcast for Friday slate of MLB action. Of course, we are sponsored by Yahoo. Adam, before we kind of get into Friday's main slate, which, by the way, starts at 8.05 Eastern time, something to kind of note, not the, the typical 7 p.m. Eastern time. We got we to talk about a little uh, interesting development on Thursday as Mookie Betts, if you look in the box score, you're going to see he's playing second base. And according to the MLB.com article, apparently this was a little side deal he had in his negotiations with the Dodgers. Yeah, pretty interesting. And, and obviously, you know, you and I were talking before we went on air, but uh, obviously can have some fantasy implications down the road, whether DFS sites start start giving him second base eligibility, but also could be a really big thing for season long, potentially, if he reaches whatever the, the threshold is on you know, a, a given site for second base eligibility, you know, he's already someone that you talk about as a, a high first round pick becomes even more valuable if he's actually able to play enough games to pick that up. Yeah. I mean, typically in season long leagues, we're talking 10 games. Now the odds of him getting 10 games in second base this year may not be realistic, but uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to monitor with that, that Dodgers team. Of course, we always talk about, you know, looking at, at various Dodgers players. So that's definitely something everyone's got to pay attention to. Of course, I did mention that today's show is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. They're the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV Edit and CSV Upload features. When you're looking to play those multiple lines, make better choices, choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. You know, I mentioned about the fact of the main slate is going to start off at 8.05 Eastern Time, both on FanDuel and on DraftKings, also on Yahoo. Uh, you'll notice on DraftKings, they'll have the Baltimore Yankees game listed, but there is the alert up there that uh, no points will be earned for any of those players. So think about that when you're making your lineup here. Uh, Pirates and Royals, Adam, going to kick the night off. Stephen Brock going for the Pirates and for the Royals will be Chris Bubik. Yeah, uh, two not very appealing pitchers here, but um, two offenses that you don't really mind taking pitchers against. Brault um, typically isn't going to go too deep into games. Did throw 96 pitches his last time out, though. Went four and two-thirds innings. Uh, not normally a a you know very good pitcher, and, and the um, Royals do have some right-handed power, but you do have Jorge Soler um, on the disabled li- or injured list, so uh, that does take one right-handed power bat out. Still think that guys like Merrifield, Mondesi, Dozier, Michael Franco are going to be appealing enough that I'll, I'll shy away from Brawl and, and be interested in the bats. Uh, for Chris Bubich, one of the, the top pitching prospects for Kansas City, still a work in progress, however. Uh, I think basically in the majors this year, mostly because of there not being a minor league season. You know, we've seen a lot of, of guys that would typically be at double A or triple A just kind of get moved up because they, they want them facing real hitters. So far he's made seven starts. He's averaging five innings per start, 35 innings pitch total. He struck out 20% of hitters, 8.4% walk percentage. I don't know. I doubt that he'll really be all that necessary on this slate because you do have so many games and hitter pricing has been pretty affordable in general, but 
um, at 6,600 if you do need to, to pay down a pitcher. Only a 4.4 implied run total for Pittsburgh. A really just mediocre to, to bad Pittsburgh offense. So between the two pitchers, I'd be more inclined to go to Bubich. I mean, if you're, you're Chris Bubich, you're kind of happy. A little, uh, a, a much easier lineup that you have to go up against. He's had to go up against the White Sox three times this year. He's gone up against the Twins twice, the Reds, and the Cubs. His last two starts coming up against the White Sox uh, had four Ks in his last start, eight Ks in the previous start. I mean, you mentioned about, uh, you know, salary wise. I mean, he's six thousand six hundred DK. Uh, you know, any any consideration as an SP two potential? Yeah, yeah, he, he's the one that I would prefer out of this game. And I think the point you make about the schedule is a really good one because he has had a brutal schedule. You know, you know how much power is in this White Sox lineup that he's faced three times. The Twins are a tough lineup, and it's not like the Reds or the, the Cubs are a cakewalk either. So this is the worst lineup he's faced so far. He has at least flashed the upside that makes him one of Kansas City's top pitching prospects. He struck out six against Cincinnati, six against the Cubs, eight, two starts ago against uh, Chicago. So um, the, the upside has been there. You know, Like I said, a 20% strikeout percentage so far, but when you factor in the matchups, you could say that it, it probably should be a little bit higher on average. So um, did go seven innings last start as well. Overall, he's averaged five for the season, but that's with several starts below five innings pitch. So I do think that there's upside for him at 6,600. You just have to realize that there is risk there. He's probably going to be an inconsistent pitcher in general. He hasn't pitched above high A prior to this season. So, uh, you know, just kind of a work in progress that, that does have upside and, and does have pedigree. In terms of looking at this Royals lineup, is there a favorite right-handed bat you like? Yeah, I think Dozier uh, really stands out, should be hitting third or fourth. The salary is pretty affordable at 3800 on DraftKings. Um, in general, their their salaries are really affordable. You know, Adalberto Mondesi at only 2800 Michael Franco at 3500 But Dozier is the one that, that really stands out at, at 3800 Um One through four, though, Merrifield, Mondesi, Dozier, Michael Franco, I think is um, a pretty high upside, inexpensive uh, stack. Uh, next up, we have got the A's and the Rangers. Mike Fryer is going to be going for the A's. Uh, Luis Garcia, according to MLB.com, will be the pitcher uh, starting here for the Rangers. Yeah, so Garcia, another pitcher that had not pitched above a ball prior to this season. He's not. He, he's just the opener, so not someone that you're looking to here. Jordan Lyles expected to follow him. Not looking to roster Jordan Lyles uh, either, who has t- taken a step back and has been at, has been really bad this year. Um, so not not looking to the pitching on the Texas side. As far as the Oakland side, you have Mike Fires, who isn't a very good strikeout pitcher, but he is facing Texas, which seems to add like a lot of strikeouts to, to anyone's numbers. Um, case in point, Mike Fires only game with more than five strikeouts this season against Texas struck out seven, two starts ago. You're obviously not reading too much into that. Uh, the, the salary, it's not like he's really inexpensive and there are what 20 pitchers going on this slate. So um, not, not really interested in fires. It's about as good a matchup as he's going to get, but uh, still, I think you can just kind of do better. Uh, looking at the, uh, the bats in this game, just kind of looking over uh, at FanDuel, um, you know, maybe, you know, do you look at someone like a Matt Olson at 3,300? Yeah. I think whenever you get Olson that, oh yeah, 3,300 on FanDuel still a good price there. I say five, 5k on DraftKings, but, um, you know, facing two pitchers, you know, Garcia, obviously a guy who hasn't pitched above the lower levels of the minors. And then Jordan Lyles, you know, I mentioned he's struggled this year, uh, pulling up his, his numbers. Now he's allowed 
185 expected ISO to lefties, 253 to righties. So he has struggled more with right-handed power, but Olsen, obviously, if he's making contact, hits the ball really far. It's mostly a strikeout uh, problem for him. Lyles has only struck out 13.8% of lefties. So you should have Olsen be able to hit the ball. So that Fandle price in particular really stands out. But even on DraftKings, I think 5K is a, a good salary for Olsen. Anything outside Joey Gallo interest you on the Rangers? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much Gallo. Uh, Shinsu Chu is the other guy that I normally go to, but now he's on the injured list. So uh, we're pretty much just down to Joey Gallo. Uh, coming up next, we've got the Indians and the Twins. Great pitching matchup uh, in this one of Shane Bieber and Kenta Mata. Um, you know, obviously, you know, what more can you say about what Shane Bieber's done this year? He, he's been insane. Like when you look, if you go to fan graphs and pull up the leaderboard for, for the pitchers for that day, when you, when you see Shane Bieber's numbers, you like forget that we're actually, you know, a decent ways into the season. Now it's not like we're just talking about three starts or something. I mean, he struck out over 42% of hitters that he's faced this season. His K minus BB percentage, you know, anything over 30 is, is like elite Bieber's at 36 and a half percent. He doesn't walk guys. He strikes out literally almost half of the guys that he faces. He, he has a tough matchup here against Minnesota, obviously, but it really hasn't mattered who he has faced this year. He's already had some success against the Twins, struck out 10 in six innings against them August 25th, um, struck out 13 in eight innings against them July 30th. So he's faced them twice already this year, has not had a problem at all. I, I don't anticipate him having one here either. He's just absolutely phenomenal. You know, the, the only... The only real discussion about Bieber in a negative sense is that he is 11K. There are a lot of pitchers on the slate. There's a lot of bats you're going to want to get to. But um, I think pricing has just been soft enough lately that you'll probably be able to get to, to Bieber with relative ease. Also looks like it's supposed to be around like 60 degrees in Minnesota, which obviously is favorable for pitching as well. Six out of Bieber's nine starts this year, he's had at least 10 strikeouts. And the other starts, he struck out nine, eight, and eight. Yeah, it's it's been just absolutely insane what he's doing. Yeah, it's kind of I me. Mean, you just you look at it from a you know a Fanduel aspect. The points that he's putting up, his lowest score in Fanduel this year, is thirty seven points. That was that August ninth start against the White Sox. Outside of that, the the next lowest is forty eight points. That was in his last start against the Brewers. Right. It's been you know, and obviously, it's not to say that his floor really is as high as those numbers, but um, it, he's been the best pitcher in baseball like there's there's I don't think there's really any question about it and it's not like this came out of nowhere either you know he he came out of nowhere he wasn't really a big <laughs> prospect um was a walk-on in college and all that but uh last year was great you know it's not like he just you know magically discovered something this season he's just really put everything together to to be an ace this is where you know when we always talk about looking at those ownership projections and kind of helping it guide you of, of how to create your GPP lineups. Um, you know, when you look at uh, you know Kento on the other side, I mean, yes, he's expensive at, at ten thousand two hundred on, on DraftKings, but you know that that is something I'm going to monitor throughout the day of what's his ownership in comparison to what Bieber's at. Yeah, that's it's kind of interesting because. Maeda does have a, a really high ceiling, and he's been really good this year. Um, he, When he was with the Dodgers, he kind of was a lot better against righties than lefties typically, and he had a shorter leash. This year, he's still got a much higher strikeout percentage against righties, but you're talking about 35.5% against righties, and he's still very good, 27.8% against lefties. Uh, he's 
thrown 91 pitches in each of his last two starts. Uh, th- that's the one downside to Maeda still has been, with the exception of the start where he took a no-hitter into the eighth or the ninth inning and he threw 115 pitches, he hasn't thrown more than 91 pitches. Uh, he did that twice, and other than that, he hasn't touched 90. So when you're, you're paying that salary in a tough matchup against the Indians, that is a pretty big negative when you're – because you, you have to compare him to guys like Giolito and Castillo and, and Bieber. Um, the fact that he's probably losing an inning or an inning plus, like you're talking 10 to 20 pitches fewer than Bieber – um, that that does play a pretty big role. Obviously, these are two lineups that everyone's always looking at in, in terms of you know who do, who do you stack, especially with the, that Twins lineup with what they can do with the power and of course the infield of, of the Indians. What's what's your take on the bats in this one? Basically, no interest here. I mean, if I, I I'm not interested in taking bats against Bieber. It just seems like a really low probability proposition for a slate this big, and really the same for for Kent uh, Kent He's you know like I said, the strikeout numbers aren't quite as good against lefties, but they're still excellent. He's not giving up a lot of power to, to either side, so I don't really have have interest in, in going to either one. Uh, next up, we have got the Tigers and the White Sox. Of course, you you mentioned Giolito going for the White Sox. Uh, going for the Tigers has not been officially announced, but it looks like it's going to be. Uh, Casey, uh, Mize going for the uh, Tigers. Yeah, it should be Mize going for the Tigers, uh, Giolito going for the White Sox. Really tough matchup for Casey Mize, but it is a, an affordable salary. Um, kind of interesting how how inexpensive he is on DraftKings where you do have to roster the two pitchers. Coming off of a start where he threw 83 pitches, only went four innings, but the 83 pitches was uh, his most pitches thrown. So that was good to see. Strikeout numbers haven't really been there with the exception of his first start, which did happen to come against these White Sox. Um, kind of falls into that boobage category where I'm not going to be excited about him, but if you are playing a bunch of lineups, you know maybe you do pay down here just based on talent and the bats that it'll let you get in. But I think Giolito on the other side is obviously the exciting pitcher here. Uh, 3.2 implied run total for the Tigers. Giolito comes in with a lower strikeout percentage than Bieber, but still an excellent 34.9% strikeout percentage. He's been excellent this year as well. Giolito is the guy where I think you really want to pay attention to the ownership because there's a $500 price difference on DraftKings with Bieber being more expensive. And Bieber should project better, but they should be pretty close when you factor in that Bieber's facing Minnesota. Um, so he gets downgraded at least a little bit. Giolito gets an upgrade facing the Tigers. Um, Bieber is still the preferred option if ownership were to be similar or close to similar. But if, if you start getting, you know, like three to one uh, in favor of Bieber, I think you can start looking to go to Giolito. Do you like a White Sox uh, stack here? I mean, obviously, it's something. It's a team we we kind we constantly talk about. I mean, yes, they are expensive bats if you want to go to them. But do you like them in this spot, even going up against what you you, you mentioned about Casey? Yeah, I, I pretty much always like the White Sox as long as they're going to be low owned. Um, so far for for Mize, strikeout numbers are much much better against righties than lefties, but he has given up power to both sides. Uh, he struck out 29% of righties, 16% of lefties, but a 241 expected ISO to left-handed hitters, 236 to right-handed hitters. Um, so from the left side, you'd be looking at Mancada, Grandal, uh, Noah Mazzara, who's been pretty inexpensive. Uh, it's also worth mentioning that Mancada is a better hitter from the left side, so it does play to his strengths. But then you also obviously have good right-handed hitters in Anderson, Abreu, Jimenez, Encarnacion, Luis Robert. Like The whole lineup is just so good. Um, but I think the fact that Mancada and Grandal will be hitting from the left side in the top or middle parts of that order. We'll, we'll make it a little bit more appealing stack than it would be if they was just purely right-handed. 
Uh, then we got the Cubs and the Brewers. John Lester going for the Cubs. Brandon Woodruff going for the Brewers. Uh, I, I think me and you have had this conversation about John Lester. Uh, in terms of DFS, uh, yeah, I just I don't have interest in John Lester. Yeah, I haven't found him to be an interesting DFS pitcher. For I've been playing DFS for like five years, and I don't think I've ever been a, a big John Lester guy. So not changing here. You know, since last year, twenty one percent strikeout percentage against righties. This year, fifteen and a half percent. The Brewers obviously have strikeouts in their lineup. Um, and they're not, you know, the best hitters, but they do have some right-handed power as well with Keston Hira, Jed Jerko, obviously Al Garcia in particular standing out and all are pretty inexpensive uh, salaries with the exception of Hira. Um, Garcia really stands out at 2,700 on draftings. Jerko's 3,900, 5,300 for, for Keston Hira. I think those three guys all look like good options, um, but again, especially the, the value in Garcia. And you got to mention about the last five starts for John Lester. He has given up five runs, eight runs, one run, five runs, five runs. And one of those was against the Brewers back on August 16th, where he gave up five runs. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, he's going to be low owned. I mean, but I can't, can't recommend you take him. Yeah. I mean, it's not even like he's priced to be John Lester. He's, he's priced like he's John Lester on the Red Sox (laughs) in what, like 2009 or something. Yeah. In terms of the Brewers' bats, uh, is there some right-handed bats in that lineup you like? Yeah, uh, great value in Garcia. I think Keston Hero will be a spot that you can pay up to be contrarian because he's not really going to show up in optimizers because he is so expensive. But he's someone that gives you stolen base upside and power. So Hero, I'm more of a, a tournament play because of his ceiling. Um, Garcia, I don't want to say a cash play because on a 10-game slate, Assuming Garcia is batting sixth, you're probably not going to go there for cash. But uh, just a better point-per-dollar play, I think, than Hera. Of course, so we all know baseball is in full swing. You get access to all the great Osmo Plus tools and content for MLB DFS with an Osmo Plus MLB Weekly Pass for $15.95. This includes full access to Osmo's leading player projections, ownership projections, and the all-new Top Pitchers tool and more. Get your pass today. You can sign up today by going to Osmo.com forward slash join of course we always tell you about you you got to pay attention to those ownership and uh another uh notable picture we have uh on the hill on friday night will be luis castillo going for the reds going up against the cardinals where we do expect it's going to be adam wainwright yeah so um castillo another pitcher in that same category basically as Lu- lucas giolito where he doesn't compare to shane bieber as you know bieber is just kind of on his own level, but Castillo is a really good pitcher. He does come in with a strikeout percentage north of 30% um, on the season at 31.1%. So he, he certainly has it in his range of outcomes to beat Bieber in any given start. So just like we talked about with Giolito, and, and now you get a little bit cheaper price tag on Castillo, um, you'll want to pay attention to the ownership. It's not a great matchup against the Cardinals, but it's not really a bad one either. And if the ownership drastically favors Bieber over over Castillo, you know you are saving $1,200 and still getting a pitcher that can very easily go out there and get you 30-plus points. So, um, you know, all things equal, I, I still just prefer Bieber, but do pay attention to the ownership. I think that Castillo and Giolito are the two guys at the top here that at least have a, a, a decent chance at beating Bieber. It, it, when we're talking about on a one pitcher slate like FanDuel, how, how do you how do you relate Castillo to Bieber? I mean, is it just purely let, let me look at ownership and see what the difference is going to be? Is that kind of the big, big sticking point with you? Yeah, pretty much. And and it's always important to remember, too, to keep it in the context of your entire lineup. Like, you don't want to look and say, oh, Beaver's, you know, 45% owned. I'm just going to roster 
Giolito or I'm going to roster Castillo, but then you're also stacking some, you know, 3% on stack. Like if you're doing that, you can just roster Bieber. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, important just to keep in mind for the entire, entire lineup, you know, po- popular hitters, less popular pitcher and, and vice versa. In terms of uh, bats in this game, is there some, uh, maybe some left-handed bats in the game that, that stick out to you? Um, for Cincinnati, I think looking to a $3,500 Jesse Winker makes some sense. Mike Moustakis is priced up at 4700 so he's another guy that you know you could pay up for to be contrarian, but um, it, it's not the most appealing price point. Wainwright is is you know decent. I'm not really looking to take pictures against Castillo, though. Then, of course, we got a game in Coors Field. It's going to be the Angels and the Rockies. Marquez on the hill for the Rockies and Canning on the mound for the Angels. Yeah, Griffin Canning kind of interesting. Um, has good stuff. Dealt with an injury, I believe it was last year. Uh, still hasn't really put it together, but um, and now, you know, goes in, into Coors Field. So you're not really looking to roster Canning. Marquez is cheap, but again, it's there's just enough pitching on the slate. I don't think I need to go. Uh, two pitchers in cores, you know, obviously it's reflected in the, the Vegas total, 6.7 implied run total for the Rockies, 5.9 for the Angels. So uh, I, I do have respect for both pitchers, especially Marquez, but also Canning. Um, but I, I don't feel the need to roster them here. Of course, when you want to see what the odds are on the games, go to awesomeo.com. Right at the top of the screen, you'll see Odd Shopper. You can get the money line, the total, all that right there in one place. Also, let you know on Friday over at awesomeo.com, our free premium MLB content of the day will be the ML MLB lineup builder, which uh, maybe can help you build that lineup and what what potentially you want to have in this game. I mean, obviously it's Coors Field. Everything's going to be priced up. Mike Trout six K on on DK Blackman fifty eight hundred, Trevor Story fifty eight hundred, Arenado fifty six hundred. Uh, then your next Angel bat will be uh, Rendon at forty nine hundred. Yeah. So w- with Canning, he has struggled with power uh, this year. Um, he's so far, he's thrown 379 pitches to righties, 275 to lefties. Um, an expected ISO of 250 to both sides of the plate. So not really what you want to see going into cores. Obviously the the problem you run into is the Rockies aren't very good outside of story, Blackman and Arenado. It does look like they, they should have uh, David Dahl back though. So that is a left-handed bat that has some power. He's 2,800 on DraftKings. That's just play him in cash, play him everywhere. Uh, if you find somebody in cash that's not playing him, try and play more money against that guy next time. Um, it's just a uh, mispricing. So assuming he is back in the lineup and, and towards the top, uh, roster David Dole. Yeah, there, there's uh, there's the uh, the Adam tip of, of the day for you right there. Uh, next up, we've got the Giants and the Pods. Richard's going for the Pods. Johnny Cueto on the mound for the Giants. Yeah, not looking to Cueto here. You know, obviously, just not. Not the same pitcher he used to be and does have a brutal matchup going against the Padres. I think if you're looking at pitching in this game, uh, you'd be more inclined to look at at Richards. Obviously, really, really good stuff. Um, Has dealt with injuries throughout his career, but so far this year he's been healthy. He's coming off of a seven-inning start through uh, 83 pitches against Oakland. He had been... He hadn't thrown a lot of pitches in his prior three outings, but um, got back to 83 pitches there, so that was good to see. The strikeout stuff throughout his career has always been uh, pretty good. This year it's down a little bit, about 22%. So not ideal, but the salary is uh, pretty affordable. You know, we talked about we talked about like Chris Bubich at 6600 We talked about Casey Mize at 5700 With some of the cheap pri- uh, hitter pricing we've seen, it probably wouldn't be that difficult if, if you 
are paying down for one of your pitchers to get off of those guys and just find the extra thousand dollars or so for Richards. Uh, obviously, Petco Park is uh, not the not the park you're always looking at hitters at because of it. But uh, as you look at the hitters, uh, you know, in this game, obviously, when we talk about the pods, it all starts off with, with Tatis and, and Machado, and then of course uh, the Giants. It's just just Trimsky. Yeah, so I mean, Cueto's biggest issue going back to last season has been left-handed power. Um, this year, he's been a little bit better at limiting that in general. But looking at the the Padres lineup, obviously, the right-handed hitters. Machado and Tatis are your two best hitters, but you get a pretty inexpensive Mitch Moreland to probably batting cleanup. He he would look like a good value there. Trent Grisham batting leadoff, more of a tournament play because of his salary, but does have the platoon advantage, which is nice. Uh, Cueto's just not a he, he's not a gas can. Like he's not someone that you're shocked if he has a, a pretty decent game here, but you're not really I'm not looking to avoid him especially if the ownership on the Padres is relatively low because of a game in cores and because of some pitchers worse than Cueto um, I'll, I'll take my chances with this Padres lineup and how much power they have yeah I mean I mean obviously Tatis I mean how do you you know you know I know when I'm doing my crunches I, I yeah I try to find ways to get him in there but sometimes that salary it can be tough yeah for sure um I, I think it's another reason, you know, kind of going back to that conversation about ownership and then how you approach it, you want, and Josh and I talk about this a lot, you want to be looking at a couple of different things there. Because for one, you want to look at the ownership of the entire, uh, of the stack in general, but then also at the individual players in the stack and in your lineup. Because um, a lot of the time you'll see like in Padre stacks, because people have to get Tatis and they have to get Machado, you're going to see them also fitting in guys from like the bottom of the order that are cheaper. So it means that you could be contrarian by just paying full price for the Padre stack and, you know, kind of punting on pitcher um, or, you know, make sure that if you're going to the really expensive Machado and Tatis, you're not just playing the same really cheap, you know, one-off hitters that everyone else is. So uh, just another, you know, kind of roster construction point there. You want to make sure that you're being somewhat unique and you're somewhat contrarian in the way that you build because such a high percentage of lineups that have Tatis will also have Machado and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, my thing is like I'm just I'm not big in rostering guys at the bottom of the lineup. Yeah, it's. I mean, you shouldn't be like I, typically they're worse hitters, but also they're getting fewer at bats, and um, it, it kind of comes into play more the sharper the pricing gets. The thing now though is just like there's so many hitters in the middle of orders and at the top of orders that you can kind of just pick from a bunch of different guys that are around 3K. You don't have to be going to the bottom of the order, guys. Um, so it's it's more of just. I don't mind it if it's a stack where the bottom of the order has some power and the bottom of the order isn't getting much ownership. But, yeah, I mean, in general, obviously, especially in cash games, you're just preferring top of the order hitters. Uh, then our final game of the night is going to be the Mariners and the D-backs. Caleb Smith slated to be on the hill uh, for the Diamondbacks. Not officially announced yet, but that's who's expected to get the start. Oh, I'm guessing he – so I'm guessing he was part of the trade for Starling Marte. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I just found out the other day Marte was now on the Marlins. So uh, <laughs> just just now finding out Caleb Smith's on the Diamondbacks. Glad to put that one together. Um, Smith, I always liked with Miami, but I know he hasn't been pitching. Uh, yeah, three innings pitched on July 25th. Um, had COVID, so not expecting him to go too deep. It looks like he threw 70 pitches in an intra-squad game. I, I guess he's good to go then. Like, if he threw 70 pitches in an inch-squad game, you're assuming he can go at least 75 or 80 here. 5,900, pretty good matchup against Seattle. He's a good strikeout pitcher. This is actually who I would go. If you if you are paying down for pitcher, unless we get word that he's, you know, severely restricted, 
Um, I, I'd look at Smith over guys like Bubich or Casey Mize. Yeah, especially I mean on DK at fifty nine hundred. I mean, yeah, that's a nice little roster saving if if we expect that you know he's going to say go seventy five eighty pitches. Yeah, exactly. You know, if, if it comes out that you know they're looking for him to go four innings or something, that's different. But um, if if he is more or less stretched out, it, it's kind of like you know we I pointed out the eighty eighty ish pitches from Kentameda as a negative at his salary. But that was purely a salary thing. Like in general, if you can, if you get a pitcher that can go, you think can go like 80, 85 pitches, you're not normally that concerned about the pitch limit because pitchers drop off that, that final time through the order as well. So a lot of times it's kind of just saving them a rough inning. Um, the, the exception, you know, is when they are really expensive. You need that extra inning. But at his price point, you don't need it. Like if he goes five innings, throws 75 pitches, he can pay off that salary pretty easily. Uh, obviously, he'd prefer six innings, but you know it would be perfectly fine. And this is someone that since the start of last season has struck out 27% of righties, 23% of lefties. It's not like you're rostering one of these guys where one of these cheap pitchers where you're just hoping that you know all these batted balls get hit at fielders. Like he actually has strikeout stuff. He also has legitimate walk problems. He he doesn't throw strikes and he can pile up his pitch pitch count really quickly. So I wouldn't anticipate him going deep in this game, even if he is allowed to throw 75, 80 pitches. But uh, the strikeout up side is there and the matchups fine um yeah i think smith unless we get word that he's more limited than we're expecting i think that he's a pretty decent value then on the other side uh a guy that we've been on his past two starts uh you say uh what, what's your thoughts on him in this start i don't understand why he's still 6200 on draft games like what does this guy have to do uh, i understand his numbers for the season aren't very good but the underlying numbers are a lot better like he comes in with a 5.2 era uh, I know going into a, a start or two ago, his XFIP was like three runs lower. Um, yeah, it's 3.09 XFIP, 3.66 Sierra, 27.4% strikeout percentage. He's not a $6,200 pitcher. So um, while I think Smith is a good value, I think Kikuchi is an even better value. Uh, so this is definitely a game where I'm, I'm looking to get to the pitching. I know that I, I don't think Arizona is a bad offense. You know, they do have some right-handed bats that can be a problem. But Kikuchi is just a different pitcher this year than, than he was last year. He has the brand-new pitch in his cutter that gets a lot of swinging, uh, swinging strikes. He's throwing harder than he was. Everything just looks better for him. He comes in 29.4% uh, strikeout percentage against lefties, 26.7 against righties, holding righties to a 133 expected ISO, holding lefties to a .045 expected ISO. I know I said on our podcast last time he pitched that um, I'd be shocked if I didn't have him in all three of my three max lineups. And that if I were playing 150 lineups, I would be close to 100%. That holds true again here at this price point. Like I'd be very, very surprised if I don't have him in all of my main lineups tomorrow. In terms of uh, pitching, or excuse me, in terms of hitting in this one, uh, is there some favorite bats that, that stick out to you? I'd be more inclined to go to the Mariners. Um, nothing that I would, nothing I'd call favorite because I do have respect for both pitchers, obviously. But Smith, I think, is the one that is the bigger question mark here. Um, you know, I, I mentioned all the numbers for Kikuchi that everything looks great. For Caleb Smith, you have someone coming back from COVID who has always had trouble throwing strikes and does give up home runs. He, he always benefited from pitching in Miami. Obviously, with the humidor and Chase Shield, it's uh, more pitcher-friendly as well. But the roof could be open. I haven't seen anything on that yet. Um, but either way, you, know, you do have some right-handed power here with Dylan Moore, Kyle Lewis, Ty France. Uh, it, it's not the best lineup, but it does at least have a chance of Smith being rusty, Smith not being able to throw strikes and putting a lot of guys on base, whereas – um, for Arizona going against Kikuchi, you basically would have to get a completely different version of Kikuchi pitching than we've seen this year for me to really want to go there. When I went to a game in Arizona a couple of years ago, I think it was crazy. We get there, the roof's closed. Middle of the game, they open it up. 
they did that. I think it was them that did it against uh, Houston, maybe this year, and like pissed off Zach Granke or someone. Oh, oh, I I remember we're we're literally standing in the outfield and we just go get a beer, come back, and all of a sudden everything's open. I'm like, I, and I come from an NFL world where if you have a trackable roof. The decision's made 90 minutes before the game starts. It's either open or close. There right. is no changing it. And I was sitting there going, like, if you're the road team, like, you have get, that has got to piss you off if they yeah. if all of a sudden they change it. Because yeah. they could I, just I change it, it based on who they got in the was, game. Yeah, I think it was them this year that one of the opposing – oh, it was McCullers. McCullers got lit up in Arizona and after the game was uh, pretty pissed off because, like, in the third inning they opened the roof. Yeah, that, that's – like it is amazing to me that MLB – allows that to happen yeah yeah I, I didn't know it had happened before i uh i remember being surprised when it happened this year that's a great ad- advantage if you're the dimebacks oh yeah because and it, it's it crazy too, because quick. like so i mean yeah, it's just crazy because like if you're winning in the sixth inning or something just close the roof if you're losing <laughs> open the roof. i mean yeah, that is the way to go. But, of course, uh, coming on Friday is a busy day here at Awesomeo as uh, we got a bunch of live shows you can watch on our YouTube channel. Adam will be a part of the NBA Strategy Show at 9 a.m. with Josh, and then I'll be on with Greg at 10 a.m. for the MLB Strategy Show. Then Josh and Alex will be together for the NFL Strategy Show at 11. All these, by, all these times are Eastern time, by the way. Then at 12 p.m. each time, you got fantasy football start and sit with Matt and Kyle. Then you got the betting show at 2.30 with Ben and Julian. Then NBA live before lock. That'll be at 5.30 p.m. That'll be with Josh and Greg. And then I will be hosting MLB live before lock with Jeff and Terry at 7 o'clock. So, so much to watch tomorrow here at awesomeo.com. Of course, be sure to give us a thumbs-up video right here on YouTube. And, of course, if you're listening to this on, say, Apple Podcasts, be sure to give a five-star review and also be sure to subscribe to Awesomeo. So that's going to do it for the this edition of the MA, MLB Early Bird Podcast, which is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports.